Welcome to the Clam Bake. How do you like me now? Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious mussels bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and tastefully welcoming you to the Clam Bake. Welcome to the Clam I'm Angela Gallner. I'm Lindsay Stidham. And we want to be better feminists. Yes, we do. Each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Because being a human is tough. And being a feminist is complicated. But our best resource is each other. Let's get talking. Yeah. Welcome to the Clam Bake. Hey, welcome. How's your clam? Uh, my, my clam is, you know, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm about good. to start Shakespearing for the summer, so I'm just kind of, you know... Getting a lot of sleep and getting ready to do a lot of driving. <laughs> thinking about men who, who kill their wives. Yeah. We're doing Othello. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Lots of domestic violence in that play. <laughs> it's a real bummer. How was your clam, Lindsay? <laughs> well, we're doing back to, I mean, it's time is irrelevant in this podcast because sometimes it comes out later after, than after we record. But we're back to backing um clam baking tonight and i'm reinvigorated from our last podcast still a little tired but also reinvigorated nice. slash psyched to be here just gonna try and live in the moment just trying hard wow <laughs> big goals from a small lady yeah i mean you gotta have them size yeah. size doesn't matter does it sometimes anyway all right <laughs> <laughs> and with that let's intro our guest and then we have Scott Tanner Jones here today. Woo-hoo! We got a man in the booth. We got a man. Sometimes, sometimes clams uh, come in male form. <laughs> clams come we got in a, all forms. A man clam. Yeah. Um, Scott and I have known each other. We're just figuring it out like a decade ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A long time. I can't believe it. Um, and Scott's an awesome filmmaker. And uh, over the years, he's done various projects with, with differing styles. And more recent focus on comedy, in addition to forays into stand-up. You're actually a great stand-up, and I always wish you were doing more. I, you're yeah. such a good stand-up. Um, Scott, well. like, doesn't even write all his jokes, and then he <laughs> kills, and you're like, I hate you. You're so good. Um, you're very funny. But I feel like to do it, I have you have to completely commit and go up, like, every night. Yeah, it's a commitment to get and good. I, but I you're, like, naturally good. <laughs> so you should oh, do it you. more. I, yeah, I get too focused on something else, but like I dip my toe back in. It's really enjoyable. Yeah, you're very funny. Uh, when Scott had a monumental birthday, he was like, I'm just going to do a half hour of stand up. And we're like, when was the last time you did stand up? And he was like, a year ago. And then like 50 people showed up and he did a half hour set and it was great. It was Whoa. 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, yeah it was rad. Um, and your latest project, Carbone, is a comedy web series in the Norman Lear vein that follows a crass, troubled, un-PC L.A. police detective Kenny Carbone as he navigates the changing world around him. And boy, is the world changing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to get into that on top of, like, everything that's happened. It's been a busy news week or so for the Me Too movement. So you picked a crazy time to come on. And you were like, I want to talk You're about... You're like, I didn't pick this. I did not <laughs> pick this. No. 
But you were like, I want to come on and talk about Carbone and broken men and what they do to hide it. And we were like, excellent. Mm-hmm. There's many broken men out there to talk about. Um, so we're, we're just going to dig into it. And you want to okay. ask our first question? Yeah. Ask Are you a feminist? Why or why not? Uh, so, okay. I was, I knew this question was coming cause I've listened to the show and I talked to a friend and I have this thing where I don't like to accept any labels. I like to be an Island and, and stuff <laughs> like that. So it's, it's against my nature to say I'm anything like whether it's like, liberal or anything. And my friend was just like, yeah, but on paper. But you vote. You vote always. No, my friend is like, on paper you are. So like, just don't be difficult to say you are. And (laughs) and yes, it's true. On paper, I am. And um, like, what, what I hate about labels is like, I grew up where if I said I, I care about the environment, someone goes, oh, you're a liberal. And like, just because I don't want to pollute the air, that makes me a liberal. Like, this just makes me a decent person. So that's why I reject it. But however, I'm going to say I am a feminist because I don't want there to be a five-year anniversary and you guys go, so you guys are doing like a retrospective. You're like, fun fact, the only people that said they weren't a feminist was Scott Tanner Jones and that time we booked Sean Hannity. Like... <laughs> So I'm going to say yes, I am a feminist. Even oh my if it's god, only on I would paper. love to book Sean Hannity. That's <laughs> like my wildest that dream to have him on this podcast. Sean Hannity, if you're listening, come on but the yeah, clam so bake. I, I'm saying that, but labels like bother me. Um, why? But, like, why does the label feminist bother you? It doesn't bother me, but like, it's it's saying that um, men who don't believe women should have equal pay and on the line are normal and we have to have this subgenre well where people that accept women as equal as like gets this label like it normalizes the men oh that's interesting and so it, it makes me mad like i just see like i didn't actually know that women didn't have equal pay until more recently, like mm. that actually surprised me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's people that are against that is also surprising to me. So um, I just don't like that the misogynists are the normal. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it says to me. Mm. But also like I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. Which and one? Baptist. Oh. And so. Catholic over here. So when someone said, uh, attributed what the Baptists were doing to me, it I rejected it. I didn't like someone else speaking for me. I just, I'm like an island. Like you just told me <laughs> off. You just told me before we started that I'm a loner, and it's it's true. And I just I like to only speak for myself and let nobody speak for me. And that's weird. Maybe it's weird, or maybe it's not. Um, but like I don't, I don't fight it that much. Like it's not a. To me, it's not a bad thing to say. Mm. Um, I'm a feminist. Like the w- word I like the most is progressive, because I believe in progress, and it's like more all-encompassing. But um, that's just always how I've been. Even if it's like positive, it's just it's weird for me to accept a label. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bummer though that the the like normal is um, not acknowledging <laughs> some things that we have to address, like equal pay, equal rights, 
uh, so many things. But that's what happens but when you I, live in a patriarchy for hundreds yeah. of years. Well, I'm an optimist where I think that it'll change and then we won't need feminists. It'll just be normal. And then we'll just be like... So are you a misogynist? Yeah, it would be so great if we didn't need the term anymore, right? Yeah. I think, I think, it'll, be I think it'll come. I really do. Maybe in our lifetime. Oof, really? We'll That's be so old. ambitious. <laughs> I don't no, know. I'm, I'm an optimist in a non-optimist time. Weird. I'll oh, tell you what nice. happened in the last week. In the last week, um, they they put in place this gag order that if you speak about abortion at a health providing clinic for women, your funding then becomes at risk. The next day after they announced the gag order, um, my health insurance sent me a letter that they won't cover my birth control anymore. That just mm. happened just all in the last seven days. Um, so I wish I could. Like, I wish I could believe you that. And that's like the most pri- privileged of female problems, yes. right? Like, yeah, it's the sex trafficking, totally. It's the women who are being murdered by men on a daily basis, mostly yes. women of color. It's like women of color in poverty. It's it's yeah. like child child rape and marriage in different countries. You know, like but when the government starts legislating um, bo- bodies, which by putting in a gag order, not be allowed to speak about abortion in uh, as a doctor talking to your patient, that affects every woman. Well, That's like not even like so a privileged discussion. It's is straight like, up like a plot point in the hand. Yeah, it's tale. straight up hands. When he has to sign, life. he has to yeah. sign her birth control thing. Yeah, I totally. Was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I, I watched the premiere episode all in the last seven days as well too and I almost threw up watching the first episode of this. that's not the episode I wanted you to watch wow. the first episode's brutal it is a hard the watch the whole series is brutal yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep watching, but um, this week made me not feel optimistic about being close to equality, is my point. But So here's my optimist point of view. Yeah, is, hit us with um, some positivity, please. Um, at my age now, I've seen that it's a pendulum swing it back is. and it forth. It is, yeah. And then when it swings back, they'll be like, well, that's ridiculous. And they'll take it yeah. away. Like, it's yeah. just... Uh, it, right, but you got to hope you're not a woman with not a lot of money in Texas who accidentally gets pregnant in the next three years of her life. It's like... True. Raped. It's always two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. And I actually do believe this is only one step back, and it seems more, but I actually do believe it's only... I hope so. Steps. I hope, hope you're right. right. I really hope you're right. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, I guess I will pay $100 per pack of pill. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like... I got to figure it out. Uh, Get that IUD up in there. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, we're, we're, this is going to be a what, intense episode, Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, why did I oh, do no. this? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was as always, as every week under 45, there's a lot of crazy news. Um, and also with the ripple effect of the Me Too mo- movement. So in the last week or two weeks, Morgan Freeman um, has been accused of sexual harassment uh, in the workplace. And then also the Jeffrey Tambor interview about Arrested Development that the New York Times did um, just came out where it's very uncomfortable. I'll play the clip in a minute. If, Angela, you want to keep uh, going down the breakdown of everything that happened in these last two weeks, and I'll find that clip oh, real quick. Breakdown. Oh, yeah. Harvey Weinstein turned himself in. Oh, yeah. He did the perp walk. He did the perp pretty... walk, and then he got out on bail, and like two seconds later, because he's a rich fuck. <laughs> um, he he's like... out. He's out. He's walking around New York yeah, with a little, little ankle yeah. bracelet. Yeah. I should put, a, money. put a bracelet <laughs> around his dick. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a crazy two weeks. So you came on in a time to talk about broken men, like at a particularly crazy time. But Yay. I'm finding this Jeffrey Tambor clip so we can play it just so in case our audience missed that, we can talk about it. In the meantime, did you guys love Arrested Development? I did. I used I to did. love it. Yeah. I used to love it so much. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. I'm going to play the clip. Here we go. It's a very amorphous process, this, this sort of bullshit that we do, you know, making a fake life. It's a weird thing, and it is a breeding ground for um, atypical behavior, and certain people have certain processes. But that doesn't mean it's acceptable, and no, the point I, I, is that things are changing, and people need to respect each other differently. I, I just realized in this conversation that I have to let go of the, being angry at him. He never crossed the line on our show with any you know, sexual, whatever. Verbally, yes, he harassed me, but I, he did apologize. I have to let it go, and I, I have to give you a chance to, to, you know, for us to be friends again. Absolutely. But it, it's, it's hard, because honestly, Jason says this happens all the time. In like almost 60 years of working, I've never had anybody yell at me like that on a set. And it's hard to, to deal with it, but I'm, I'm over it now. I just let it go right here. For the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't give it up for anybody else. Okay, so um, Jess that's Jessica Walter speaking there about uh, her interactions with Jeffrey Tambor on Arrested Development and Jason Bateman kind of apologizing on his uh, behalf. Um, no, Jason Bateman was not apologizing in that. Defending Oh, that defending, behavior. yeah. Yeah, he then later yes. apologized on Twitter, but yes. he was... He was being an asshole. Totally, totally. Um, so thank you for wanting to talk about such intense topics. He's like, I did not want to talk all. about this. <laughs> and what? But what made you? You did contact us and say, I want to talk about broken men and what they do to hide it, which I think is relates to all of this in a bigger picture. Sure. So what made you want to talk about this? Um, I'm fascinated by it, and I feel like I am a reforming broken man. Okay. Mm. Um, like once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Yeah. And it's stuff I'm working through, and part of the way I work through it is through like this web series and other pieces of my work, and it's an everyday thing. And I see a lot of it. Um, um, well, like the web series I wrote actually in the Obama years, and we were filming it during the election. Mm -hmm. um, if I wrote it now, <laughs> it would be so much different. But um, there's things I struggle with and things I see. And uh, man, I for men right now that are um, doing a lot of this, uh, what we're seeing, I just I'm seeing lemmings off the cliff. I really am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> um, I, we're skipping around a little bit, but like, how does like hearing that clip make you feel? And and what I what I meant to say too is like he definitely is mansplaining away her experience in her interaction with Jeffrey Tambor. I definitely think he is. Um, but how does that clip make you feel to listen to it? Um, it's hard, and I can I can I have to talk about it in like two different ways. Let's. Uh, yeah. Take on Jason Bateman. I do. Um, well, here's the whole thing with me too. I most of the time I'm just sitting here listening because, as a straight male, I'm I can't understand what a woman's going through, and 
at best, I can only be a tourist, but I can always escape back into who I am. So um, most of the time, I spend my time listening. So the thing with Jason Bateman, um, what I hear is him... Um, well, it, it kind of like it upset me because this is what I left Twitter because um, a lot of times like people who I feel like I'm on their side mm-hmm. present things in a way that like dare me to believe different from them. Mm. And so when I first saw it, I read an article and someone tweeted it and they capitalized crying and said he's gaslighting her and... And I, I'm, I can make my own decisions on this. So I hate, like, how we present things and, like, you can't – they dare you to disagree with you or bully sure. you to disagree with them. I do think so, that's, like, a, what happens a lot on social media right now in general where you can fall down a hole, even talking to a stranger about difference of opinion and nuance of language. Absolutely. And, and I, I stopped following certain things to, like, get rid of that – get out of my little bubble – but then my friends retweet it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, I just got to leave all together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I do agree that he's mansplaining. Um, but I also see that this is this is a guy who's pushing 50 and he's used to a status quo and he's trying to maintain a status quo. And so um, this was a learning experience for him. I do believe that happened. And for his benefit, he did apologize and he, like, oh, He apologized mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, like, there's other parts to it. Like, these people are promoting a show and controversy doesn't sell. And I think he was... They're probably told by a I do think controversy like, used to sell. But yeah. now you can't, you can't sell controversy of... Of harassing women, like that does not yeah. sell right now. No, I, yeah, so I think he was trying to be a, a peacemaker. Yeah. Um, there's a part that I actually find funny because um, uh, what's her name? Aaliyah Shawkat. Aaliyah, yeah. yeah. Um, she cuts him off and says, like, well, that doesn't make it okay. And you can hear him say, like, well, that's what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. But, like, because she cut him off, he just sounds like a dick. <laughs> because I think he was maybe trying to put a cushion yeah. before the butt. But we're so beyond cushions anymore. Yeah. And we just need to tell him, like, no more cushions. Well, and like, I, <laughs> I think, like, he was he was reacting to this old way of thinking that I hope is becoming old. That um, And it happens to be, not happens to be, but it but it is, it's kind of a conversation we were having before this. I think it relates the idea of like the mad genius and mm-hmm. when a man is a genius in any sort of realm, they're allowed to get away with a lot of despicable behavior, whether it's sexual or verbal or physical, but yeah. we accept it. You know, Jeffrey Tambor is this fabulous comedian and dramatic mm-hmm. actor, really talented. And, you know, he talks about process and all of this. And I felt the same way. And I know Lindsay we've disagreed about this, but on the, the Jim and Andy documentary, I have no patience for fucking actors or anyone in I any position treating anyone like dirt. You have no I, right. I feel the exact yeah. same way. I watched that documentary. I enjoyed it. But like, there's also part of me like, there's people that they just want to get home to their kids and yeah. they don't need to deal with your bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that. Um, also, and I'm not defending Jason Bateman at all. I do, I do like, that he had this learning experience as a person who's had learning experience mm-hmm. along the way. Um, I think it's a good thing that it happened for him. And it didn't just happen to him. I think it happened to every male in that room. Yeah. Um, he was just the one who fell on his sword for that 
for that moment. But this is the first time Me Too has taken on someone just being an asshole and rage but on set. N- not true, though, because oh, really? parent, yeah. I don't think I don't think this would have been nearly as big of an issue if he hadn't sexually assaulted on uh, trans parent, trans yeah. woman. True, uh, but she does say like he didn't sexually harass me. Um, so for this incident, I've seen it taking on rage, and I think that's a I think that's a great thing. But if we're gonna start taking on rage, buckle up because yeah. <laughs> there's gonna yeah. be a lot more. I think probably plenty of women have behaved in a rageful way on mm-hmm. set too. I think like when you more take men on, though. <laughs> yeah, no, just more true. men get to yeah, be it's on more, set, more so men. it's gonna yeah. be more men get in power positions Definitely. and women are called difficult and like Definitely. black, but like Catherine Heigl for like objecting to yeah. one thing. You're a total bitch, right. and a man can, uh, you know. Yeah. Punch someone in the face and get an Oscar. Totally. Totally. But, yeah. yeah. But, but I'm sorry. Still, yeah. <laughs> but, like, the nuance of emotions running high on set is a tricky slash scary place to go. I agree. Because a set is a place that you hope you feel creatively safe. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to get to an emotional place of... Uh, vulnerability, I think that sometimes people might go in a rageful direction to get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But I think, so. I feel like I interrupted you, Scott, but I think you were you were saying that you, you think it's, I feel like you were saying something about male anger. Um, I th- Well, I think I lost that thread. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, um, let me, uh, let me take on Jessica Walter and uh, the Jeffrey Tambor part. Um, I'm very empathetic to Jessica Walter because um, I I know how she feels where um, someone is flat out cruel to you and and you just you're just powerless to do anything. I've been in that position. And I, I what stands out to me is in that moment she realized that she had to let go of it. That's what she said. But um, I actually, she says she's forgiven Jeffrey Tambor, and I actually can't believe that. But I, partly I feel like what so upset her is more how the people around her did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been in those situations where... Um, People have done cruel things to me, and in my heart, I can forgive those people because I can be, I can just say, like, well, they're depressed or they're an asshole or anything. But what was harder for me to forgive is the people that just stood there and let it happen to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've had moments where I flat out said to people in a moment, like, please back me up. Yeah. And they stood there and did nothing. Yeah. And that is the harder thing. And I, I think that's where it really hit her. Maybe. Um, so then on the flip side of the Jeffrey Tambor thing, that's also hard for me to hear because I have struggled with rage myself and I know I've hurt people and I've actually had people say exactly what she said, like nobody's ever yelled at me like that and it's, it's hard and it's, it's a thing I've worked through and I've gotten better and I, I'm, I'm gonna work on this till the day I die. Like mm-hmm. I said, once you're broken, you're broken. You're an alcoholic um, or rageaholic. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's very hard to hear. Um, it's it it tells me how 
I've hurt people. So I've heard how I've been hurt, and I've heard how I've hurt people mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Hard. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for anybody that uh, recognizes any piece of themselves in that also, how when you say you're like working on it, like what has been effective for you to work on it? Well, um, well that's, that's hard. Well, it's... Um, Um, I can all I can tell you every moment where I've had rage, why it's happened, and it's because someone wasn't listening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either they weren't listening to me in the moment, or they didn't listen to me in the past, and things got bad later because they didn't listen to like the foresight as I had it, and I uh, and I, in those moments I revert back to. Um, trying to protect myself when I was a kid and people kept telling me I was a bad person. Mm. And so it's hard. Um, like when I listen to that clip, what's funny is you know how I say like, um, Jessica Walter, I understand how she feels and I understand where Jeffrey Tambro came from. Like rage to me isn't about anger per se. It's about mostly depression and fear in that moment. Um, and a specific like rage is that I can think of is where I was a Jessica Walter and um, someone was being cruel to me and they broke me to the point where I raged and I became Jeffrey Tambor. Mm. It's really weird. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, the way I work on things is like, I cut out people who don't listen to me. Um, I've become better at who who my friends are and who are there for me, and and stuff like that. Um, I work on um, when someone's cruel to me. I'm trying to learn to. Oh, actually, I'll put it this way. So. Um, have you seen the Mr. Rogers trailer? Yeah, it's me. Yeah. I'm going to so, be there the premiere weekend if anybody oh, wants to come I'm, with. That, I'm going to be like the Avengers, <laughs> like it's the Avengers and yeah. go out the first night. So <laughs> I see that trailer and they start playing that like uh, Man on Wire music on top of it. Yeah. And I always like tear up. Yeah. Because I remember being this young kid and being very optimistic and um, happy. And there's... There's the saying, uh, show me a child at seven, I'll show you the man. It's the, the whole Seven Up documentary series mm-hmm, are based on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I completely believe that. But as I grew older, people, people I, I learned from Mr. Rogers and from Sesame Street and Grover, like, um, share with people and love one another. And as you get older in your formative years, people are like, well, not really. Yeah. And they try to put their politics and their religion and stuff on you. And... It, it changes you. And so there's a point where they told me what I should be, and my conscience was telling me not to be that way, but I was forced into this way of thinking that was against it. And so what I'm trying to do now is get back to what I was at that seven-year-old before mm-hmm. all this happened. Mm-hmm. Before society it is... put its <laughs> ugly mitts on you. And it is so difficult. Yeah. But, yeah. and I'll be working on it till probably the day I die. 
So, um, there, so I'm doing things like trying to remember that seven-year-old kid. And I'm trying to take all the bad things happen to you. Instead of making me a rotten son of a bitch, <laughs> I'm going to um, make it make me a more kinder person and a more open human being. Mm-hmm. Those are amazing goals. They say all you have to be is um, 51% positive and 49% negative. And I feel like only recently I reached that because uh-huh. I've been working through it. Now all it takes was like a job loss or a bad relationship to yeah, <laughs> swing the sure. other way. And I know that's going to happen, but um, it's getting better. And the, like I, I do think about, and I'm going to, um, there's a little expensive taking like anger management classes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, does it surprise you, Lindsay, that I have this? Because I know you've never no, seen No, no. <laughs> Great. <laughs> You're like, oh, God. <laughs> no, but I do have to say I overall know you as uh, kind and some somewhat soft-spoken as well. But mm. um, I guess nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> um, but I think it's so cool that you are aware and mm-hmm. doing the work and – um, feeling so positive and giving us a pep talk that um, hopefully things will swing in the right direction <laughs> again. Hey, man, I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I just can't get the image out of my head of North Korea and South Korea hugging each other. I just, yeah. I'm holding on to it and I'm praying <laughs> for humanity. I'm like, you know, people change, I guess. I don't know. By the way, Lindsay, <laughs> as my friend, you've always listened to me, which Aww. is... Key. <laughs> I've never cool. felt disregarded or. Oh, thank and I you. Hope you feel the same. I do. <laughs> I try hard to be a good friend. I, that's something I um, respect a lot about myself. That I do think I am a good friend. <laughs> um, okay, so as we can comp- continue to experience kind of like this fall- fallout and all the dominoes of Me Too, and um, what do you think? men can be doing better you just gave us like a bit of like what you're doing but you know that's like a huge question what can all men do better yes Um, (laughs) speak for your people what i would like is for them to learn how to apologize correctly yeah sorry it's a good one um i think i mean all apologies are just terrible across the board I remember somebody Except for said Jason Bateman's, as we said. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, that is that one was good. I'll give another example: the Dan Harmon. Yeah, that was a full self reckoning. Yeah, yeah. And how you know that he gave a good apology is that it gave her peace. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is terrible. Somebody once I remember someone saying like. Louis C.K.'s was a good apology. I'm like, that is a horrible... No, he doesn't even say, good. I'm sorry. No, his is terrible. <laughs> and I think people are so scared about the fallout, but there's a fallout anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you just you just have to apologize if you mean it. And your career's going to probably be the same. The only person that succeeds without apologizing is Donald Trump. And that's <laughs> because nobody's like holding him accountable. And then he's doing a great disservice to all men by teaching them that they don't have to apologize mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. But I think people, uh, men and women across the board don't know how to apologize because they've been apologized to terribly 
or not apologize to at all. Um, just think of like apologies that you've had where someone has like a defense in it. Like I was tired, I was hungry, you said this and it made me mad. Like a proper apology is only taking care of your deficits. Doesn't matter what that person did to you, that's on their them. Um, it's about your responsibility in it, it's about your deficits. So like Morgan yeah. Freeman, oh, he, he dicked it up so bad. Yeah. He, he said this thing like, but I am not, I never harassed women, it's not the same. It's like, no, it's a, uh, we know that, we're very aware of that, but it's about, are you in the red morally? Are you, do you have a deficit in your, um, in this? Like, yes, that's what we're talking about. It's, we don't care if you haven't assaulted women. You did, yeah. you're, his is basically, he's what we used to call a dirty old man, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's a dirty and, old man. And, and dirty old man I would respect suck. it. <laughs> I would respect really him suck. so much They're more, more if he could igno- acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's you know, some, but this is where I get frustrated and I wonder how we do make progress because like, um, like my dad, for example, I respect him so, so much on so many levels and on certain things I really feel like I can have productive conversations with him and I've seen him become much more liberal as he ages but on other things it feels really hard to have conversations with him um, like most recently like about people's uh, gender fluidity that's something I can't like he can't even wrap his mind around it Mm -hmm. it's like there's some and like we're dealing with people in office who are very old as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, they're very old, and they're trying to legislate things that are not of our time. It's, like, very bizarre. And I wonder – and Morgan Freeman is is old. He is 81 years oh, no, old. I want a retirement <laughs> age for politicians. Yeah. I do. Like there should be. Just like yeah, you cannot drive out. a car <laughs> if you cannot see and your faculties yeah. aren't working. You should not legislate people if you – maybe your faculties aren't working. You know what I mean? Like, basics. Can you catch a ball? Like, can Donald Trump catch a ball? Like, I don't know if he can. Well, I can't yeah. catch a ball. <laughs> Well, I also don't want to be president, so that's fine. But I'm like, does he have reflexes? Like, no. is everything, like, together? No. Like, I don't know. Like, get out of there. But have you heard there's a Burr, Bill Burr bit on um, one of his specials about Donald Sterling? Is that the guy's name? The guy who told his girlfriend that he can't take, she can't take pictures with black men? What? No. I didn't hear about you remember this. that? He, no. he owned like the Clippers or something like that. Oh, I'm sports. God. No, sports I, I don't know anything so about there was this. So there was this guy. I think he owned the Clippers. I could be wrong. And I think his name was Donald Sterling. And he told his girlfriend, there's audio of it. It's like, uh, he can, oh, I do you can sleep with them. You can be friends with them. Just don't take pictures with them. And Bill Burr, his bit. And it's, it's so funny. He's like, the fact that this guy grew up where um, there was segregation and stuff that it's amazing that that's all he said. It's like, you can sleep with them, but you can't do this. And that's kind of like how I feel like um, it's not going to happen overnight if people are open. And I feel like someone like Jason Bateman is open to change. We just have to like give it a, give it a, some time. Um, I'm, I'm always weird that people expect things overnight. Like it's those people that like thought the economy was terrible, and then the day Donald Trump goes in, they're like, "The, the economy's great." Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's still Obama's economy. It's going to take some time. Yeah. So, um, I have a friend who 
goes on cruise sh- ships and teaches how old people how to edit on an iPad. <laughs> Aww. And that's kind of like the metaphor. We're that's really sweet. For like actually, <laughs> for like middle-aged men, we're editing on an iPad, and you just gotta like help us learn to turn it on that's and just right. be patient with us. So um, I'm writing that down. If yeah. we're if we're able, yeah. We're if open. you're open-minded, and some people yeah. are, and, yeah. if, and like I said, if those people aren't, they are lemmings off the cliff. They just yeah. are. It's just not gonna serve them. Yeah. It's a bummer, though, because I would love people like Morgan Freeman who, you know, it's like who knows the level of things that have happened with him and women on set. Like only the people there really know what happens. But like you'd want people like that to be like open minded to acknowledge like they have work to do. But they're also 81 years old. And like, is that a lost conversation? And yeah. And when I listened to the Jeffrey Tambor clip and I actually read the whole article um, with the cast. I do believe that he is open to change, but he's not doing as much work as he should. What mm-hmm. he thinks he does, he should do double or triple. Yeah. yeah. He is not he's tr- <laughs> he's trying to get a slap on the wrist and yeah. what he needs is just a f- he he's just got to do more. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I would love to touch on your Carbone series. So you have this char- this character that we mentioned a little bit at the beginning, Carbone, um, and he's he's quite clueless, um, and he can be a bit offensive. He uh, definitely feels like a character from like you're definitely sending up cop characters from like 70s and 80s cop shows. I would oh, yeah, say, is there a sure. particular one that is? You're really sending. You're really doing a satire on um, Dennis Franz specifically because it's I do his voice. Um, there's this movie Just to Kill where Dennis Franz plays a cop, and it's just so badly written that I just used to do his lines from that movie in what I thought was my Dennis Franz voice. So, <laughs> and it's uh, a lot of impressions are like bad impressions. Like on The Simpsons, they say it's a bad impression of like Al Pacino stuff like that. So that's what <laughs> it is. It's a bad Dennis Franz impression. Uh-huh. Um, but I also love cop shows. Um, one of my biggest influences was the show Homicide Life on the Street. Uh-huh. And that's where I like really started become a writer from that show. It's a incredibly well written written show. It's kind of like wire light. Uh-huh. And then the impetus for Carbone came from The Wire. Like, I love The Wire, and I wanted to do something like it, but I know I can't do The Wire, but I can do a comedy version of The Wire. (laughs) (laughs) And so it started from there, and it was like a project where when I started doing it, people were like, I don't know what you're doing here, but uh, I guess I'll help you. And then (laughs) once it was done, they're like, oh, I get it now. And Mm. then they liked it, and it was like, the project where it kind of clicked with people. Yeah, it's like a, I feel like it's like a cop show, like in an alternate universe, a little bit on steroids. Like all <laughs> the characters are so ridiculous and they're almost like a stereotype of a stereotype. It's mm-hmm. like, um, which is really fun because cop genre, it's like how many more cop movies and cop shows will people buy? Apparently every season, like at least 10. Like yeah. there's just so, yeah. there's just so many. So it's so fun to satirize it. Yeah. Um, what I also love about your character is that he is like super brokenhearted. So he's like brokenhearted and pathetic, which is also another fun trope mm-hmm. to play with because most cops are macho. But your cop is 
pretty brokenhearted and pathetic. And everybody tells him, like, where the hog eats the cow and, like, kind of puts him down. And he's <laughs> where definitely, Where the hog eats like, the cow? Yeah. What does that mean? Is that mean? an expression? <laughs> I really like it, but I don't know what it means. I, yeah, I'm lost, too, but where I love it. Where the hog eats the cow. It's an idiom. I'll look it up. I Does said it, it I gonna, said it wrong, but there's an up. idiom that Where is. Where the hog eats It's the not the cow, cow, something else. We'll see. <laughs> um, but oh, you finish. Uh, first of all, I'm just going to play a clip so that we can get a little taste of carbon, and then we'll get into the the. Uh, we'll correct my idiom. I'll tell you how the cow ate the cabbage. That's an idiom. <laughs> all right, that's one. Um, we'll look up the correct version of my idiom, and we'll ask some questions after this clip of carbon. We'll take a minute. I'm not well liked. I get it. I got my problems. Selfish asshole. Rage issues. Borderline alcoholic. Borderline? Shit. <laughs> Fuck it, I am an alcoholic, among other things. Racist? Racist? <laughs> Talk about sexist? Homophobic? Shit, what right, else? Look, we got it. <laughs> that voice is so funny. I also like that Carbone is aware of his problems. Like, he is self-aware. So I think that helps you um, get away with a lot with that character. Um, but you finished this project, like, I want to say the same month that the Harvey Weinstein story mm. broke. And so you were like, what do I do? <laughs> so you waited to release it. Um, and what has the response been now that you have released it, but with timing that makes it more sensitive to watch right now? Well, people are just finding it. I hear more from males. Um, I think... Oh, it's just so hard because, like, it's a, like you said in the clip, racist, homophobic, misogynistic cop. And people are like, well, I don't want to see that right now. <laughs> and it's it's completely understandable. And I understand. Um, but it also feels like the right time to send that up. But I, right? that's, that's why, see, my whole thing is I want to do, like, an Archie Bunker mm. at this time. Mm-hmm. And because... What I think is Norman Lear, because for some reason you can't stream it, any of his shows mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. sucks. But um, um, when I when I first did it, it was just like a little like joke video, but then it took off. But then using the world of cops, you can take on anything. You can take on gun control mm-hmm. and, and uh, misogyny. Um, the police departments I know are very homophobic, is what I've heard in the past. Uh, obviously misogynistic, because there's... I mean, I've read a lot of books on this stuff, too. So you can take on absolutely anything. Um, And there's things I want to take on. I definitely want to take on rage because I don't think we ever see that properly done in a show. So if as it continues, that's something I want to take on. I want to take on religion um, and a a bunch of different things. And it's not always going to be what you want because he is like a red state guy. But um, my whole thing is to make this show about a person who breaks bread with people who are different from them. Because I do believe, as a person who came from Iowa and then immediately went to Chicago and then Los Angeles, um, I came out of a bubble and I met people that I was told to be scared of. And I'm like, oh, wait, you're not scary. You're not a bad person, stuff like that. And it's just when you know someone and you love someone – it changes you, and it. I was taught to like fear everything, growing up, and it's just it's just not true. Like so, mm-hmm. so this is a my way. This is like my protest in a way. Yeah. Uh, to things that I see around me. 
That's really cool. Cool, I'm gonna play um, another clip. Wife's not calling me back, so uh, gonna need a place to stay tonight. How about your place, Harris? I could give you a go. That could work. Let me just check in with my vagina. What do you think? What's that? Pump a bullet into you and put you out of your misery to ensure that never fucking happens? <laughs> okay. Nah, it ain't happening. Vaginas don't tuck. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clams have a lot to say. <laughs> um, so you did cast an amazing woman who I think definitely would describe herself as a feminist to play um, one of your. I mean, you have two partners. Like it's like mm -hmm. a, it's like a triad of cop action in yeah. this in this uh, um, series this time around. Um, but that's uh, if you want to talk a little bit about uh, Ryan and her role in this. And I do think the fact that um, Carbone has a, a black partner and a female partner. Again, you always have somebody to kind of like call him out on his bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ryan is awesome. I've been working with her for like another decade there, too. Um, and it's it's a female cop is in a very male world. So, but in the male world, there's a lot of gallows humor. So she rolls with the punches and he's sitting there clearly sexually harassing her, but she's not going to take any of his shit. She's, um, he's gonna, he's gonna think less of her in those moments and stuff like that. Thinks she's not like a cop like he is. And over the series, it, starts to change like he's not carbone's not going to change overnight but um the harris character when people walk away from this series they almost always say that she's their favorite character people love her character um because she's just as crass and just as um in a different way mm -hmm. but um and just ryan has always been like this trojan horse where you put her in a film and then she just comes out of the huh. horse and kills the scene. That's um, a really fun way. That's a really cool way to describe someone. That's really yeah. fun. No, I would just be really flattered if, if someone called that about my acting. I'd be like, it, oh, wow. It's not the first time I called her that. That's really cool. Um, so where did this character like birth from for you? And do you feel like you're going to have to change him at all now um, as you continue the series because of all the Me Too stuff coming out? Well, like I said, it came from a bad Dennis Franz impression, but then uh, it hit with people. Um, I had it started from these two shorts that, um, like, won a couple festivals and stuff like that. Um, and but then it just used an opportunity. I just always wanted to do like socially conscious uh, work, and it was the best way for me to do that. So. Um, I don't think he'll change. I, it would be disingenuous for him to change dramatically over the course of wherever this goes. Like, I don't know if we'll do a second series or we'll, he's going to come back in some form. I don't know if it'll be a web series because web series are in like a weird, I feel like they're in a weird flux, like they're in a downslope. Um, but um, I think he'll be at the door of change. <laughs> or a door of acceptance and 
like at the end of the series, he um, he has a criminal informant that is homosexual, and at the end of the series, spoiler alert, but <laughs> well, it's not a spoiler. He says, "You're all right," and that's something. Like he he finally regards him in some way, um, but having grown up around people who um, are red state and stuff like that. Um, it's not going to change overnight, but like I said, it'll be, he'll be at the door or change racially. Cool. <laughs> I like it. I like Very Carbone cool. being at the door, evolving. Maybe one day he'll get back with his wife too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> where, can, where can people watch it? Well, I mean, we'll link to it, but... Um, man, this this is what's telling me that I should have gotten my website going. But it's <laughs> at vimeo.com backslash Carbone Series. Can you confirm that? Yeah. We'll link it. You we'll know what? It. We'll just <laughs> link it. Just click. But even if See, you that's s- why I should have a web series. So I can be like, <laughs> carboneseries.com. Um, even if you search Carbone on Vimeo, you can find it. Um, can you? I don't think you can. Yeah. I think I searched experiment. Carbone Cop just a little bit ago and okay. got it. Um, it's not too hard to find. Definitely check it out. We'll link to it as well. Um, there's a Carbone Instagram. There's a Carbone Twitter. So yeah, um, the Carbone Instagram is very good. Definitely <laughs> check it out. Um, so uh, before we totally wrap up, I wanted to hit a little bit on because you and I both are in the throes of internet dating. You're taking a break. Good, good on you. Um, but I'm still in it. But I feel like it is like really difficult for men and women to communicate right now on dating apps. Mm. Uh, it's bizarre out there for sure. Um, I haven't told this story on our own podcast yet, but Angela already knows the story. But I got in a really big argument with a man over the word pussy recently. <laughs> really big. He is his main profile photo. He was uh, shirtless and he had a cat on his chest. And I said, hey nice pussy, or I said pretty pussy you got there, and he was so offended, and it may or may not have gotten me temporarily banned from OkCupid. I'm not totally sure. (laughs) Um, How old was he? uh, He's in his early 30s. What? Uh, He was really angry at it, and basically like the the, the gist of the argument was like... I found Carbone, by the way. Yes. In in two clicks. So not that hard, but I'm (laughs) going to Um, the gist of the fight was he's like, well, if I can't use that word, you can't use it. It was kind of like the gist but of it's the not fight. The N-word. I mean... <laughs> also, I was referring to his cat, his actual cat on his chest. Also, but... it would be different if he said it to you because he doesn't have a pussy and you have a pussy. I got one. So you one. can say really pussy. Weird. Yeah. It was a very bizarre exchange, but it definitely underscores to me that men and women are definitely having a tough time communicating right now. And I was wondering if you ha- have changed the way you date at all in the wake of Me Too as everybody's sensitivity uh, neurons seem to be, like, on haywire, basically. Um, well, I got our relationship in December, and I haven't dated since. I have, like, a toe dipped in, mm-hmm. but I'm not really actively pursuing anything. I'm also at the age where I'm aging out of swipes, so. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) You'd be surprised. Um, Just change it. Just kidding. Don't lie in dating apps. Or do. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) People tell me that. I think that's terrible. But um, it it, it won't change anything um, because, I don't know, I feel like 
I don't, I'm not sensitive in the way that guy was. And I'm also not doing stupid things like some guys do. Like sometimes I succeed just because other guys are so bad. <laughs> um, That's funny. Uh, my friend was sending me um, things guys have said to her, like screen caps from Bumble. And it's like, geez, what, how do they think that'll work? Um, but, but off your point with this dude, um, I'm more nervous about jokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I made a joke and it did not play. In fact, he told me it was drowning. <laughs> and then he was like, I, you are very gauche. That was his other word. You're gauche so, and you're drowning. Um, I mean, so what do we do to heal as men and women who are both, I think at this moment in time, both men and women are coming from places of feeling hurt right now and a bit broken. So what is what's like a step we can take to heal getting into the giant questions of well i'm glad you asked me this tonight. because <laughs> this is the one question i feel i have the correct answer for all right cool just kidding i have no <laughs> I was idea like, oh, tell me please <laughs> i i i like i um just listen to one another and 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 be open and um always recalibrate what you're thinking um Oftentimes the goalpost is moved in your favor mm -hmm. and you don't realize it. And as I'm speaking as a male and uh, it's always good to just sit back and recalibrate and figure out things, um, figure out the process of weeding out people <laughs> quicker. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very good thing. Um, like I said, it's not, not too hard. Um, Cause people make, <laughs> people are very clear of who they are anymore. I feel like. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard to no, just be a good person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good advice. I feel like if you're doing stuff that's making you feel bad about things, but I guess like, I guess that's the problem, right? With all this Me Too stuff is like, these dudes felt so privileged that they didn't feel bad about their actions for a very long time. Um... It's hot. Yeah, it's hard. Well, or, I think, yeah. yeah. Or maybe it was just normalized and yeah, they just went along yeah. with it. And, and, and it's hard to admit that you were wrong. Yeah. It's like if, if you're not feeling the oppression, why would you fight? It's kind of like what you were saying. You didn't realize a pay gap existed because yeah. you didn't experience it. And, and it's like, oh, like I didn't realize me making jokes and, saying things about women's cleavage was making them feel alienated and mm -hmm. disempowered, but you have to be willing to listen. You know, like like you're saying, like listen and feel. I think it's really hard because it challenges our sense of who we are, mm -hmm. right? Like Morgan Freeman doesn't see himself as like a dirty old man and doesn't see himself as a harasser and abuser, but like... No, I think these men got so powerful. They all saw themselves as stars. They are the star of their But life. I think sometimes it can be le even less intentionally evil than that. I'm not talking about Harvey Weinstein. Har Harvey Weinstein is a sex offender. That's, yeah. That's it's a different, very different thing. But, different. <laughs> but like, you know, like like that sort of entitlement that allows you to snap at someone on set in a way that mm -hmm. a, like a woman wouldn't be able to or allows you to like slap someone's ass or you know m talk about their 
dress being short, you know, the things yeah. that Morgan Freeman, like, like that was baseline, like, you know, he's 80, like that was yeah. stuff that was so normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe his intent was just to make jokes, like in these press interviews, but it still made her uncomfortable. That's the other thing, like, that's weird to me, is like, can't people like see when someone doesn't like something? Yeah, yeah. And people keep doing it. It's so weird. But I like, also like I imagine being one of those young women in that instance more than you have as a to star, I wouldn't want to make do him everything feel you can to hide it. Yeah. When but, it's your job, yeah. you're hiding a lot. And I think it's, you know, it's it's a it's a big ask and it's an important ask to be like be willing to look at your faults. Yeah. It's scary. Like like for me, like for me, I feel like I have to constantly and I'm sure I like fuck it up all the time, but like I'm a white feminist. I'm one of the white feminists that wears feminist clothes. Like I have to be careful that I'm not just being a lazy white lady who cares <laughs> about reproductive rights and nothing else, mm-hmm. right? Like like we have to be willing to see the flaws in ourselves and it's scary and it's really hard and it's yeah. emotional destabilizing work yeah yeah it, yeah it's super hard it's it's hard for everybody to like make the right choice but like i guess it's just like human empathy like can you attempt to put yourself in someone else's shoes in the scenario you're in in a power imbalance and ask yourself what that other person is feeling it's like you have to stop and analyze someone else's point of view for a second but i, I will also say <laughs> If you take full responsibility and apologize correctly, um, you'll be surprised how um, grateful people are for that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, uh, it's got to get worse before it gets better sort of thing. But, like, it's so refreshing when someone takes responsibility, and so few people do. We're mm-hmm. in a no-responsibility era right now. Yeah, and the Internet only, like, snowballs that. Yeah. Which is why I don't do Twitter and yeah. like I basically I have an Instagram but I don't really post anymore. I only use it to like promote stuff. Mm-hmm. So this might be my next <laughs> one. <laughs> awesome. Um, but, um, yeah, just be take full responsibility. It's honestly like I can say it's it makes your life so much better. Yeah. Like take wherever <laughs> you are in your life, take responsibility doesn't matter if someone did something to you um, I think too many people um, need someone else to blame for where they are mm-hmm. and there might be points where that's true but take p- your responsibility for it and try to forgive when you're probably never going to get someone saying they're sorry and I, I and that's what I've worked on and it's Helped me tremendously. Yeah. Um, am I? I'm speaking from a male perspective, and I, you could tell me the female <laughs> end of that because, like, oh, I should forgive Harvey Weinstein for it. No, you shouldn't. But right, but like that, I'm I'm saying it for yeah on yeah. my end. Well, yeah. what it, some someone really close to me is going through the 12 steps right now and the fourth step is like tallying all of your resentments mm. and identifying your responsibility in them. Mm-hmm. Um and as he's been like telling me what these steps are, I'm like, "Holy shit, like one this sounds so hard and so, so hard. <laughs> painful." Yeah. But also I'm like 
maybe everyone should do these. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's crazy hard. And but man, the other side is so nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for um, being open to yeah, answering diff- difficult questions and bringing really thoughtful an- responses. Um, I feel like answers is the wrong word for like any of us in this right. uh, yeah. in this it's topic. A it's a, yeah, it's a journey. It's it's a, a few people's <laughs> reflection on um, difficult moments right now, and that's why we do this podcast, basically. Mm-hmm. So, thanks for listening, Clamps, as mm-hmm. always. Um, do we have our outro in this? Yeah, oh yeah. We do, yeah. You don't ask what's making your clam bake anymore? Oh, we stopped saying what's making your clam dance. Oh yeah, well, well, let's Let's do it. Let's bring it back. Yeah, what's making your clam dance this week? Um, so this will relate to you guys. Um, do you ever listen to Liz Fair? Of course, she's wonderful. So they put out a box set of... Her Exile in Guyville album, which to me was one of the most important albums of the 90s. But it has the girly sound tapes, the demos mm-hmm. that um, preceded Exile in Guyville. And it is amazing. Like, I remember when Exile came, Guyville came out. It was amazing. But um, on, like, B-sides, she would release some of the girly sound stuff. And I tracked down a bootleg. And I, sometimes I think they're better. But, like, if everyone – this is an album that everybody should have. <laughs> uh, the It's called Ex- – like girly sound to exile or something like that or girly sound to guyville so everybody should make their clam dance with that record yes oh my god and i love that you asked us to ask yes we got to bring that back (laughs) like i said i'm behind on listening but then it's like oh wait what happened exile to guyville is the album everybody listen make your clam dance girly sound to guyville is what the box set is so good Sweet. There's also a new Rolling Stone article about it. You can check out. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most important albums of the 90s. Yeah, uh, get on it, very young all. clams. <laughs> get your rock history on. Linz, what's making your clam dance? Um, get it, I, You know, we haven't recorded in a while uh, together, so this is always fun. It always makes my clam dance starting the week this way. I know. Also, we got a short work week. That's going to make my clam dance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I got to, I also got to shadow direct last week, and that really made my clam dance. That was the best. What's making your clam dance? Oh, just headed into my nerdy, nerdy summer getaway, so I've been doing a lot of Shakespeare work over the weekend, (laughs) and just looking at words, and just having really dorky conversations. I've got, I went into the play with one idea. I've got another idea now. I love that. You know, that's so dorking cool. it up and that's making me excited. That's great. I can't yeah. wait to drink wine and watch you dork it up with Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. I don't get murdered on stage. Oh my God. I can't wait to yeah, watch. Yeah, be cool. <laughs> Clams, thanks for listening to this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Welcome to the Clambake, on Twitter at Clambake Pod. You can find us on Facebook or. You can call our hotline yeah. at 657-243-3789. And you can be a Clambassador if you email us. We got hats for you. Welcome to the Clambake podcast at gmail.com or email us about anything you like. And thanks as always to Campfire Media, our producer Ryan Counthouse. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts wherever you find wherever you find your podcast, please do it. Also, what would help us the most 
is if you leave us a review, it only takes a couple of seconds. Thank you so much. We love you, Clams. Till next time. Thanks for getting baked. Bye. How do you like me now? Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious muscles bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and tastefully welcoming you to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Hi, I'm Amanda Salvatore. And I'm Jackie Ray Bell, and we are the hosts of Guilty Pleasure, the podcast that celebrates, elaborates, and experiences our odd interests. We talk with comedians, writers, and artists about their chosen guilty pleasure, like LARPing, Burning Man, Keanu Reeves, Allen Iverson, television shows, 60s and 70s rock and roll, and the list basically goes on and on and on. If you'd like to check us out, we have a new episode every single Monday. Delivered to you from Campfire Media. Find us on iTunes or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. Campfire.